as he makes his way back into Central Texas. That we've just gone final in the Bronx, and Cleveland has tied this series up with a 4-2 win in the ALDS. Naylor with a big hit in this one, uh, and uh, and that helped uh, the Guardians uh, finally break that tie that had been at 2-2 for a while. So there's the baseball. Uh, and uh, always great to catch up with Curtis Quillen, sports director of Channel 6, a man who uh, went out to Morgantown yesterday, has now made his way back into Central Texas. Curtis, did everything go as planned? You were uh, I, I remember when you were taking off to come to uh, Austin, did you land at about three as planned? Yeah. We might have landed a few minutes early. Honestly, uh, it was uh, as smooth of a trip as I've been as I've had um, recently. And given the year or two that the airlines have had as an industry, you, you take any time you get home on time as a massive, massive win. Um, no real issues. Uh, got all my bags and uh, pulling into the mother-in-law's house as we speak because I'm going to try and get a nap in before I go shoot high school football tonight. Oh, I love that. And it is nice to have that mother-in-law situation right there in Austin, although she'll probably want to say hello to you, visit with you a little bit, maybe feed you. Uh, so at least kind of, you know, spend a little time with her and, and uh, don't just use it as a place to bunk. Uh, but uh, these are good early in a marriage. Great to establish those bonds with your in-laws. Now, uh, as you've made your way back, uh, that was a rough one for the Bears, and you had all the great uh, pregame reports. You're there. You're probably down on the field shooting things, and 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 really, and you heard Aranda after the game. What do you think? I mean, there's a lot to point to. I mean, there's the three turnovers on offense, even though the offense moved the ball like crazy. Crazy. Shape and play great, and quite honestly, uh, Kyron Drones came in and played really well, except for the one uh, bad interception. Um, but I, I, to me, the most demoralizing thing coming off that game is just the continued issues on the defensive side of the ball. Is that, is that your takeaway after that 43-40 loss? Absolutely. The defense just had no answer for the West Virginia offense. Uh, you know, early on in this game, uh, talking with some other people who cover Baylor down on the field, it was like, okay, like, okay the run's not there tonight for West Virginia. Five minutes later, it's there, and it's there all night long. It was uh, unlike anything I've seen this season, but, you know, the issues with not being able to tackle and not being able to finish the play or maintain your assignment, uh, those remained from the Oklahoma State game. Um, And I would say that those issues cost Baylor the game, but, you know, offensively three turnovers, I mean, they lost the turnover battle. What was it, three to one? And so – yeah. You have to take care, better care of the football. That includes Blake Shapin whenever uh, he's looking to scramble because, you know, at first I thought he just dropped the football because it was cold. That was the first uh-huh. cold-weather game for the Bears this season. Um, but, no, when I went back and watched it on my camera, um, it got poked out. And so, uh, you know, as the offensive line was blocking, one of the West Virginia uh, pass rushers was able to reach through, poke the ball out, uh, of his hand and next 65 yards later we're tied at 17 and you know they could never get that momentum back right that 10 point lead evaporated like that and uh that was an issue offensively 
really the only issue offensively was the, the turnover battle. Uh, be, I would say that the game essentially uh, came down to not being able to tackle. Cause I don't, I don't know that if the defense tackles the way it did last night, that if you, if Kyron drones just takes the sack there instead of throwing up a prayer that really, really should not have been thrown. Um, you know, I don't even know if that, if they win the game, if that throw doesn't get made. And so I think it comes down to not being able to tackle. Yeah, because they got the ball right back there, and then they were able to tie it up with a field goal. But then, I mean, even then, you're just like, okay. Um, and, and it was a bad sign, wasn't it, on the on the kickoff, I believe it was. They returned that to about the 30 or 35, so got some pretty good field position, and then, boom, we're in, we're in shape in a hurry. And then, you know, you're like, do you let them score, uh, or do you try to hold them to the field goal and burn all your timeouts? Did you have a what was your feeling because you were down there on the field watching all that? Do you did you think it was? I mean, in the end, now knowing what happened, probably better because then you only you you only had to kick a field goal to tie it. Um, right. We didn't know that at the time. You could have let them score and preserve quite a bit of time because then you could have had a minute or minute and a half in in three timeouts or two timeouts if you let them score. What was your gut telling you during that time there at the very end of the game i thought aranda played that that last possession from west virginia that put it put it up 43 uh 40 i thought he played that possession perfectly you know hold him to a field goal because then if our if our next offensive possession works we win this game if it doesn't and we're in range okay we can tie it send it to overtime um i just think that you know a false start uh whatever, you know, the drive did not go the way that it needed to, to be able to get that field goal in a, in the spot it needed to. And so we never saw John Mayers come out there on the field to be able to do it. But I mean, this is a guy who in 2019 kicked it from what, 51, 53 against TCU on the road. So he's no uh-huh. stranger to being able to, to kick those long ones. And so um, I thought he played that. I thought he played that perfectly, especially when you have to take into account that, for as little as the crowd was in it at the start of that game, uh, they sure got into it in the second half. That was something when they when West Virginia fans started seeing that oh oh we're not just close in the first half they're not going to blow us out in the second half like the stadium just kind of progressively got louder as the second half rolled on um, and it was I'll be very transparent it was kind of a terrible crowd uh, wow. size wise and in the first half it wasn't great. Uh, I mean, at one point when Baylor scored a 17 unanswered, um, all the life inside the stadium had been zapped. And that changed real quick in the second half. That very small crowd sounded a lot louder than uh, than it did in the first half as we, as we rolled through the fourth quarter last night. Curtis Quillen, uh, sports director at Channel 6, joining us for Chilling with Quillen. Curtis, what can you tell us about Blake Shapin? We heard the comments from... Coach Aranda, after the game, we saw uh, some of the footage of him coming back in street clothes. He certainly was able to run off the field. So I guess the good news is, at least to the naked eye, uh, there was not any of that sort of scary stumbling around that we've seen in the NFL here recently with Tua. But it was certainly deemed, I guess, first of all, I, uh, give us an update. Then I also wanted to know what you thought of that hit and kind of being there and being close to that action. Did it? Did it? Uh, 
you know, obviously it was an illegal play. Uh, did it feel dirty? What did you, uh, uh, what did you kind of, what was your take on all that? Um, so I'll start with the update on shaping. There isn't one yet. Um, as far, you know, we know what we know from last night. Uh, he and Squirrel left with head injuries, and that they'll be evaluated. We'll probably know more Monday when, when Dave Aranda talks ahead of the Kansas game. Um, and it, uh, as far as the hit, you know, I, okay, let me go back to the injury. I didn't think I saw him run off the field. I thought he walked, but when he had trouble getting up, Matt, that was when I kind of figured he wasn't coming back into this football game. Um, He had trouble sitting up (laughs) right after the play, and rightfully so. He got got clobbered. Um, When I saw them grab his helmet coming out of the medical tent, a trainer walked him into the bench area, takes his helmet, and then they walked him up the tunnel. Uh, that told that told me everything I needed to know at that point. Pretty much confirmed my suspicions. And then when he came out in the street clothes, everyone at that point they were just very publicly like, "Yeah, no, he's he's done for the night." Um, the hit itself, like you you hit the nail on the head. That was the kind of play that targeting was put in there to take out. I don't know that it was dirty. I think it was just poor aim, poor timing. Um, we, I mean, how many times has Baylor had a defender who had one of those hits? I mean, it was kind of the same thing um, Dylan Doyle did uh, at BYU, except he went um, high and he went high on a standing player and he timed that poorly on a receiver. And this was a poorly timed hit on a on a sliding quarterback. It's also why they put the rule into place that the slide. Technically, you are down when the slide starts. It's yeah, so that you, yeah. as soon as you see the quarterback give themselves up, they're no longer you cannot touch them, or it's fifteen because it, it, it's a it's a level of protection for them on that kind of slide. They can slide ten yards from where they give themselves up, but the ball goes back to where they gave themselves up um, at that point. So yes, it was the definition of targeting, and the officiating crew last night did a remarkable job. Um, they kept control of that game. They applied the rules well, and that play, they talked it over because targeting is a very, a very serious penalty in college football. Um, and now that you can't have stands, and the NCAA does have a win-in-doubt target and review, like flag it for targeting, announce it as targeting, yeah. take it to a review, and double-check it. Um, and so now that it, with targeting, it, there is no stance. It's either confirmed or overturned. Um, they handled that play well. Um, as well, I think the one of the things that needs to be discussed out of this is Squirrel's injury too. I didn't see where he got hit. That was on a kick return. It was a nice return, um, but you know I want to see what that loss does to the Bears in the long run as well, because he's been playing well and been able mm-hmm. to receive really well out of the backfield as well. Um, I think Kyron Jones might take a couple of games. We don't know when Blake Shapin will come back. There's a chance that he's good to go against Kansas. There's a chance that he has to sit out the Kansas game and he's not back until Texas Tech. And yeah. so um, I think Kyron just needs more snaps because he got better as the night went on with the exception of that just inexplicable interception. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought he was good from the start. I, I he came he came in and, and on that drive he uh, for, I mean I thought, man, they're asking him on fourth and goal from the two and he put that ball right on Presley and uh and some of those downfield throws, I mean they were getting chunk plays like crazy. Twenty yard. I think that's a the hardest part, Curtis, when you look at that game is like you said, I mean the turnovers are bad. But to move it and and to have that much success on offense and even with the turnovers, to score 40 points and that not be enough. Yeah. Uh, because, because you can't stop them in the run. <laughs> you can't stop them in the pass. And we probably are guilty of what Aranda is getting on his players about, about thinking, because a lot of these players, some of these players were on last year's team. And there's, so there's some thought, well, I mean, they were great last year. I mean, these guys should show up at some point and be great. And as I tweeted about today, that 2021 magic is gone. It was a great season. It was a fun season. But I, I think Aranda's tried to tell him, and I think he's had a hard time getting that message home, uh, that none of the, those, some of those players are gone and all that success has kind of left the building. All right, I did want to give you a little time here to talk about the high school slate. Uh, and it is the... Uh, uh, first of all, the game of the week, we always like to announce that. I, I think I saw it Monday, in fact. Y'all came out and I think lively put it out there perhaps um, Monday, and I saw a retweet from you. Uh, give us your game of the week, and then what are, what are a couple other games that, uh, that, you, that you're really monitoring closely? So our game of the week tonight, uh, for the first time, we're going to Searle Stadium where uh, it'll be Ellison and Colleen High in a District 4, 5A Division One matchup. Uh, we were thinking about a couple, all of the runs that we, all of the games of the week um, that we were choosing from were kind of in the Bell County area. It's a little bit of a lackluster week schedule-wise in the northern part of our viewing area. Um, the reason we went with Colleen versus Ellison, right now there is a four-way tie for fourth place in District 4, 5A, Division One, and it's three schools from in our backyard. It is Shoemaker, Colleen, Ellison, and Granbury, and they're all playing down the street from one another tonight. So if you're in Bell County, those four teams are playing in three separate games all in Bell County. Go watch one of them. You've got Granbury at Belton. You've got this one. You've got Shoemaker hosting Waco High over uh, at Club Buck tonight. Look, this is, uh, you know, Josh Sadler's an offensive guy, and Colleen's offense has been stuck in the mud lately um, in the last couple of years. And so uh, can they get this? Uh, wh- where is this offense going to be coming out of tonight? Because Ellison is probably the best defense Colleen will play all season. And for Ellison, can you get over the hump? Can you get into the playoffs? Because this could shape – this is a week that I'm not even going to say could – but given the four-way tie situation and when you look at the schedules for these teams, uh, this week will shape the playoff picture in that district. And if Ellison or Colleen want to stay in the hunt in the final few weeks, because uh, what is it, week eight? So we've got three weeks left um, after this, after tonight is done. And so if you want to stay in the hunt going into that, you've got to get a win tonight, especially in that district. And so we went with that, uh, not just because it's the original rivalry in Colleen, but because of the implications it's going to have on the playoff picture. Even if both of these teams wind up missing, this game will be the, will be something that determines who that four, who that fourth seed is when uh, next month comes, 
because of the four, four-way tie situation and not everybody in the tie has played everybody else in there. And so, you know, I think Belton is rightfully favored against Granbury tonight, and I think Shoemaker is rightfully favored against Waco High tonight. Uh, the last computer projection I saw on our game of the week from Dave Campbell's Texas football was five points in Ellison's favor. And so expect a really good matchup there. Some other games I'm watching tonight, uh, Salado-Gatesville, I think that's a phenomenal showdown. I think this is something that, you know, where is Salado's head? Because they bounced back from a four-game skid last week at Robinson in, in, in a good fashion, but that was a close game. And so this will tell me a lot about this district this year, and is Gatesville going to be able to compete with a playoff spot? Because I, I, coming into the season, I thought that the final playoff spot would be between um, – you know, Robinson and Madisonville. Well, Madisonville's been exceeding expectations this season, and it's a five-team district, so one team misses. Um, and if Gatesville doesn't take – because I, I have been underwhelmed with what I've seen from the Hornets. And so if they don't take some steps and if they don't show uh, – if they don't, if, I mean, truly, if they don't get a win, but if they don't uh, show that they're capable of it, then it, we could be talking about Gatesville missing the playoffs this year. Um, and then after that, you know, Holland Thorndale is really fun. I think that's for the District 13 2A1 uh, title that, tonight. And then uh, obviously I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the game at Willie Williams Stadium tonight with China Spring and La Vega uh, yeah. playing for the first time in the regular season since 2019. Um, they've played a lot since I've been here. You know, my first year was the second year in a row they've met twice um, in, in the regional final. And so, you know, where are the Pirates at? Because La Vega under Don Hyde is a team that is very much not the same team uh, in week eight, which is what we're in, as it is in week one or week two or three. And so it's, you know, where is La Vega at this season? They got a really nice win over Waxahachie Life last week to open district play. Uh, what, what are they going to do against China Spring tonight? And, you know, since I have been working at Six News, China Spring has not won a regular season matchup against La Vega. Wow. And they get that monkey off their back and yeah. contend and not, you know, um, I think I heard Greg Tepper at Dave Campbell's Texas Football this week describe it as, do they have look-ahead issues? Are they looking ahead at Stephenville or are they focused on the game at hand? And so I think there's a lot of really interesting things about that game uh, as well. All right, I've got China Spring. I don't care what Dave Campbell's Texas football has. I've got China Spring as a seven-point favorite in this thing, and and I have La Vega covering that spread, okay? But I do have China Spring winning this one outright. But you're right, do not do not doubt Coach Hyde in this kind of situation where he's the underdog. That can be a little scary for uh, China Spring. Curtis, glad you're back with us. Uh, get a little nap in, and then uh, and then get about your coverage, and uh, just lean heavily on on the young lively. He's a he's a he's a spry one, and uh, he you know just send him out to wherever you need him tonight, and just kind of get your legs back under you. I've got a great team. He's handling the six o'clock newscast tonight. Nicole's at our game of the week. Uh, in Colleen, and so I'm going to see my wife for a bit, get a nap in, and then I'm going to head to Salado, and I will see everyone at Eagle Stadium at 7. All right, roll out the red carpet for Curtis Quillen. There he goes. It is chilling with Quillen. Coach